Welcome to another episode. I'm going to make this intro really quick because pretty much this entire episode is just a really casual conversation with myself and Liz. So um, I guess the only thing I really have to say is that I know the holidays are coming, which is really exciting. And um, especially now, I feel like it's a good time to be with family after a clusterfuck of a year, to say the least. Um, But I also know... Uh, from personal experience that it's gonna be a really hard time and just comes a lot of feelings a lot of emotions you know um just difficult circumstances so I just wanted to let everyone know that if you know if you're seeing everyone whether you're on social media seeing people be all like holly jolly and that's not exactly what you're feeling or if you're just feeling down just know you're not alone um I'm certainly feeling the same way this holiday season I've been feeling kind of down and um, if you ever need anyone to talk to, you can always slide into my DMs. Um, (laughs) I have a lot of time so you can talk to me or of course seek professional help. Um, Again, betterhelp.com slash Zoe, (laughs) but for for, (laughs) for real, I just wanted to reassure everyone that although this is a great time, but it can also come with a lot of pain and grief. So if you're feeling alone or feeling like not your best self just know that that's totally acceptable and that's totally fine and I relate so um I mean we discuss this a lot in the episode so I'm not going to really go on for too long (laughs) explaining this but I just wanted to let you know you're not alone and that I love you all so enjoy this episode with me and Liz we love talking to you guys about mental health (laughs) all right here we go and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I'm so excited to be back with my friend and practically co-host at this point, Liz Gunner, to talk about a um, submission topic, actually, which is basically how to talk about depression to people either with it um, and really just how to support them, support people, yeah, during this time, um, some quick context last saturday or november 21st was international survivor day or international survivors of suicide loss day which was a holiday proposed by senator reed in 1999 um to basically support those who have lost someone to suicide or drug overdose etc um specifically placed right on the saturday before thanksgiving because as senator reed knew the um, holidays can be a really difficult time, not only for those who have, um, you know, survived a suicide loss or lost someone, but also just, I think, people in general. Um, I personally have lost a number of people who I care about to suicide, and a lot of those deaths did occur around the holidays because those can be a really difficult time for people suffering. So we wanted to both speak from, like, personal experience on like our like how we've 
both been on both sides i'd say and yeah and approach both sides because like having been someone or having still am someone like who you know has depressive episodes um i feel like i have a good idea of like what people have said that has kind of triggered me and then what people have said that has made me feel really supported um but also on the flip side I've been in the position where like I don't really know what to say to someone uh, who I love and care about and I don't know what will really resonate with them. So even though this is something I try to bring up in most episodes, like with whoever I'm speaking with, like how would you talk to someone who's suffering? I think it's good to have an episode that's dedicated towards that. Yeah. And like even I was talking to Zoe prior to this um, recording and I was just saying that I've personally experienced a few friends and like close people in my life that have um, lost somebody really close to them, whether it's their mom or their friend, their husband. Um, and I have found myself frantically Googling how to best support this person because I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that people listening to this are the same where I always want to be as supportive as possible as a friend. Um, and so like, I never want to say something that's going to be triggering to somebody. I always want my friends to feel good. I mean, I think this is like a normal human, um, innate thing that people want, but I found myself in the recent months sort of stagnated and like, I didn't know what to say and how to best approach some people in my life just because they were experiencing something that I can't empathize with, um, because I've never experienced it, like losing a parent. Um, so I found myself kind of frantically Googling and, and figuring out like, okay, how can I best approach this situation? And I was sort of talking to Zoe about this, but the things that I've learned is that, and I was really wanting, I wanted a podcast on this. I was like searching podcasts on this too. Um, and the things that I learned and I'm by no means a mental health expert or credentialed in any way. So take with this a grain of salt. Um, but things that I've learned were that first I just wanted to be like open and non-judgmental and sort of just have this like open dialogue like hey like whatever you need like just let me know because I don't want to I was honest like I don't know how to approach this I don't want to be this person that triggers you and I want to be as supportive as possible what ways can I do that for you and sometimes that was I don't know and sometimes I was like hey just like be my emotional backboard and listen to me don't say anything and sometimes that was I just need you to hug like me and sit there and that's it Mm -hmm. I'm like okay like in silence so like whatever that is for that friend or for that close person in your life like you just need to like listen to them and what they want and not be judgmental at all like come from a place of just like love and like support um and so I think that was like the number one thing for me was just being that person that can just kind of be there yeah listen to them definitely I think so going like taking a few steps back maybe we could kind of touch on some of the signs that a person may be going through it yeah Yeah. like like signs to look out for um and again I even though I have this mental health podcast obviously I'm in no way certified to speak to this from like a psychology perspective but just in terms of both having depression and knowing those who have it as well. I think there's some definitely, there's definitely some signs to look out for. Like there's like the signs you always hear about. And mm-hmm. then there's the signs that like differ between person to person. I've noticed. exactly. And like, I feel like everybody, that's why mental health is so interesting to me um, because everybody experiences it 
differently. Mm-hmm. Like even you can experience like a similar situation and both be diagnosed with like acute depression or something and experiencing that depression differently. A hundred percent. So it's kind of, it's, it's tricky. And that's it's, why people are questioning, like, how do I know when somebody's and honestly, when you're experiencing it, you question it too. You're like, am I depressed? Do I have anxiety? You know, like exactly. there's so much overlap and people experiencing these things differently that it's hard to know. Yeah. It's like, it vacillates between like two, I think, or at least there's probably a gray area, but I find that it vacillates between like these two opposite sides of a spectrum. Like I'll give a personal anecdote. So when I'm depressed, well, I guess I do a lot of different things, but (laughs) I'm either like very emotional Mm -hmm. to the point of probably making people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I've honestly had conversations with friends where they say like, Zoe, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how, like, I don't know what to say when, you know, you're going through something, which I make very obvious on social media (laughs) or Finsta and things like that. And just like posting tons of pictures and kind of emo captions. But if anything, I'd say that's me kind of just like letting it out. And if I'm in that place, people can, what I've told people is like, if I'm, if I'm doing that, I'm okay. I just need to like vent kind of to myself and the curated list of people I've allowed to follow my Finsta. Um, And so maybe, you know, you might have friends who are outwardly like that with their emotions. And if that's the case, I would say to definitely check in and, but, but also be like, Hey, like I have noticed, you know, some of your posts recently or, you know, texts have been like, whether it be self-deprecating, just want to check if everything's all right. And it's, I don't know, maybe like a casual kind of tone. Um, but I think there's, you know, there's that side and then there's the opposite side of like completely retreating kind of the, you know, Withdraw. withdrawal, not wanting to go out to social events um, and things like that. I think that might be like a almost more difficult water to navigate because on one hand, I feel like there's almost this feeling of like, I don't want to bother them. I don't like want to assume anything, but it's better to at least say something than nothing. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. And I think even if it's, even if it's awkward, like worst case scenario, that person is like how offensive of you to think something of me. Like, honestly, I just feel like from my perspective, it's better to just try and like and have that worst case scenario of kind of awkwardness than to not try and then lose that person potentially to mm-hmm. mental illness. I don't know. I feel like the cost outweigh the, the, or the benefits outweigh the cost in that scenario. Oh, exactly. And even it doesn't have to be like, hey, are you depressed? Like, it doesn't have to be super hey, you intense. feeling depressed today? Like, yeah, it, it could just be like a, hey. Are you okay? Or like, how are you? How, exactly. Just and like if they're like, in. fine, be like, what's fine to you? Or like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like so many people too, it's just like they get fearful of talking about it. Like, I feel like now, I mean, my friends are not at all. Like, you yeah. literally will reach out to me and be like, hey, you yep. good? But 
I do, I have had people in my life before that were fearful and like, especially people from like, I feel like isolated areas of the world or like suburbs or like, I don't know, that are kind of immersed in a weird bubble of society that kind of demonizes having some sort of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Like I've definitely experienced that before and that could be difficult, but I, I would say to people that are living in that experience, honestly, instead of being, I guess like instead of saying, okay, I don't care about what the outcome is of me reaching out to this person instead of being like, Oh, I don't care because I feel like words actually do matter. And that's something that I say. I'm like, Oh, I don't care. I don't care what's going to happen, but it's like, no, I actually do care. I just, I'm disassociated from the outcome of that because the worst case scenario is really not that bad to me kind of thing. Yeah. I think another thing to keep in mind now more than ever is like, I don't know. This is probably the first time for many people where maybe they're not spending the holidays with their family because of COVID and the risks of, you know, coming in contact with people um, with pre-existing conditions or who may be like more susceptible to contracting the virus. So if and you know that's just family where you think of like friends and there's some some of my best friends I haven't seen in so long because of this pandemic so sending a text and being like hey how are you like or not even how are you but like hey have you seen the queen's gambit like something really I love that <laughs> but like really random it can just gambit. spark a conversation I mean actually I haven't watched it so I don't know why I give <gasps> you that have example to, you have to so I've heard but how like hey have you seen Chits Creek? Like <laughs> something, it could be like a really casual conversation and then be like, you know, how, how have you been recently? Like if anything, I don't know. I'm just like thinking of more things on the spot, but I feel like if anything, the pandemic has been, is like even more of a like permission slip to talk about mental health because, you know, before when everything was, quote-unquote normal maybe it wouldn't be as like casual to slip in the like hey how's your mental health been into Mm -hmm. a conversation whereas now like literally you know it's just like hey how have you been because I I feel like everyone's been going through it and that's why like everyone Mm -hmm. has been dealing with some sort of mental health struggle every single person that I've talked to and I have such a diverse network of friends and acquaintances and like every single person I literally ask about like what's an adversity that you've gone through within the past pandemic or like something like that just at random. Yeah. And like every single person has been like, this has been, I've dealt with depression. I've dealt with anxiety. Like there's been something and it's weird because it's like even the people and we were talking about this yesterday that seem the happiest or seem the most like put together are the ones like struggling the most a lot of times. Um, Yeah. But I think also going back to like, okay, what are the signs and symptoms that I can see in a friend or in myself um, that is indicative of struggling with some sort of mental health issue? I think withdraw is one of them, definitely. Um, and I think just change in baseline in general. That's mm-hmm. what I've kind of come to the conclusion of. Like, you know how you normally are. You've lived in your body for X amount of years and you know how you act. You know how you are in certain situations. You know what I mean? And like, if you feel like there's a change in that baseline, then you're probably dealing with something. Have you lost your appetite? Have you had a lack of motivation? The things that you used to like, do you not like them anymore? Why don't you like them anymore? Yeah. And it's not just because like, oh, I, even if, you know, maybe like you, 
there's things to point to like, oh, it's been a hard work week. It's been like whatever. But put that all into the pers- the context of we've literally been in this like weird apocalyptic society for like what nine months now it's not that it's totally normal to feel burnout but as in like it's okay to be not okay right now and I think that's another thing with mental health in general and this is something I personally have struggled with is accepting the clinical diagnosis or I guess the outcome of like okay I am struggling with this mental illness because I feel like so many times certain mental illnesses are more okay than others. For example, Mm -hmm. anxiety is more okay than bipolar disorder or multiple personality disorder or schizophrenia. Um, Like it's just for some reason our society has been like, yeah, yeah. they've been like, oh yeah, anxiety. Everyone deals with anxiety. Yeah. Um, It's like not the equivalent of stress. I've been stressed and then I've had anxious episodes. They're very different. Mm hmm. And so I think that that contributes to it a lot. Like, and honestly, at the end of the day, the diagnosis does help. Like, for example, if you have schizophrenia or if you have bipolar disorder, like there's medications and there's different treatment options that you can undergo that will probably help significantly with that. Um, But honestly, the clinical diagnosis really doesn't matter from a perspective of you're dealing with something, you know, this is your baseline you should just go and seek help and not really care about the outcome of that. And like, for me, that had been just using myself as a personal example. Like I always said, and if anyone that listens to my podcast or has listened to me on interviewed in other podcasts, I always admit that I deal with anxiety. And for me, for the longest time, I was like, yep, I deal with anxiety. I've been dealing with anxiety. I've, you know, tried anxiety medications before that haven't really worked for me. And I had never really thought of the fact that maybe also I was dealing with depression because those two things, the symptoms, the signs and symptoms overlap. 100%. But for me, I didn't want to accept that maybe I could be classified in this depressive or like depression person, like classification, because when I thought of my stigma of somebody with depression was not what I thought of as myself as. Yeah. And it almost was almost like, okay, I feel like a weaker person. I feel all these different emotions with that if I was diagnosed with depression. And I was like, honestly, what I need to do is let my ego go. Let Mm -hmm. my stigmas go. Go see a professional and see what they say. And so that's what I did. I went to the professional. I was like, look, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm not sure what I have. And I'm not, again, I'm not, I disassociate from the outcome. I don't care what you diagnose me with, basically. Um, But just help me. You know, these are my symptoms. What do you think? I think it could be this. What do you think? Yeah. And I'm still kind of going through that right now, actually, with like different healthcare professionals. But regardless, like I have seen a change in baseline within myself. And I've been really open with about that with people that are close to me in my life. And I don't think there's that's something you should be ashamed about. I think everyone goes through it. And like I think people go through it at different stages in their life, you know? Yeah. definitely. Um, I think this is like almost um kind of quickly continuing on this tangent of like recognizing signs in yourself it's important to a notice that and b as you said like be okay with it and i can relate in like very a very similar way where like depression i kind of knew i had but like it was less the depression itself and more so the medication that i was so afraid of and why why were you afraid of the medication I think it was twofold. First, 
lar- largely because of my eating disorder. I was, you know, scared of weight gain from s- it. Swear, yeah, scared of weight gain from SSRIs. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think there's this. I think there's this like false belief, which I definitely was victim of, that if you go on like a depression medication, it's going to change who you are. Like it's going to change your personality. And I was really afraid of that. I was like, I don't know who I am without this thing. Not even I don't know who I am without this anxiety, but more so like I don't want to shift me into this numb state kind of a thing. And my luckily I had this incredible doctor who was like, listen, if you have a headache, you take an Advil. If you don't have enough serotonin going into your brain, you take an SSRI. And she like made it very chemical for me and I, you know, believed her, luckily. And that's how you like justified it. Yeah. And like then for what, you, you're like, okay, if I can understand and justify why I'm taking this, like I have this chemical imbalance in my brain and this is gonna help me with that chemical imbalance. Okay. Then exactly. I'll take it. And there's just it's also like think about birth control like the side effects of birth control there's a lot of them and like but because that's become so normalized in our society almost to the point of like people are like why are you not on birth control Mm -hmm. if you aren't (laughs) which is like fuck you like why are you not on birth control man (laughs) (laughs) side note but like the side effects are almost like as i she also said like you know the side effects of this are are pretty much equivalent to advil Mm -hmm. and just like saying something like that and we're like Hmm. And then she's like, the worst could happen. Doesn't work for you. We, we went off. And this is why it's important to go see a healthcare professional. Yeah. Like I have encountered so many different people, men, especially because I have a lot of dude friends. <laughs> they are like, I'm scared to go see someone. Why? Nobody yeah. has to know. We're out here openly talking about our mental illnesses and health issues, but like you don't have to do that. No yeah, one's exactly. holding a gun to your head saying, talk to me, but like at least go see someone who knows what they're talking about, who can explain it to you and that you trust. It's like imagine becoming the best version of yourself. Like why are you, that could be a right, very like, good option that comes from it. And that's what happened to me when I took, started taking Zoloft. Like I literally in a month was like, whoa. This is what it's like not to freak out about like the smallest little things and like stress that my friend wasn't texting me back. Like I visibly it was like I had outer body experiences where I'd be like, wow, two months ago I would have had a literal panic attack because that person didn't text me back. And now I'm like chilling. So do you feel like because I've never taken any sort of I take I took propanol or something it's like a public speaking and like anti-anxiety like it slows it's a beta blocker and it like slows your heartbeat and like helps you not to stress so people take it for like public speaking or like test anxiety um it's like a more of like a quick fix kind of thing yeah like it it decreases your symptoms like external symptoms of anxiety so like sweating fast heartbeat racing thoughts kind of things like that got it so it, it just sort of like chills you out it's like smoking a ton of weed <laughs> um, kind of but not really but um because i feel like weed can also increase your heartbeat oh 100 percent. some people get really like, and paranoid anxious, yeah. and stuff but i'm just trying to be funny um <laughs> clearly it's not working um it's fine i'm not a comedian um but yeah so i guess my question to you is like from a perspective of i've never taken like any sort of like medication like that do you feel like it was like 
the fog was kind of like lifted and you could see differently and you're like, wow, I feel different now. Or like, what was that pivotal point where you realize, hey, I'm feeling so much different? Yeah. So I think it was like weird for me because I've, for context, been on a benzo for like six to ten years. I don't really know. It's been a while, Um, which is like for those who don't know, benzos like Xanax, Klonopin, like those are more commonly used to treat anxiety, but they're more fast acting. So in my mind, I was like, what could change? I've been on this literal anxiety medication for someone like so long. And I was like, okay, well like, and I, I don't know. I always associated SSRIs more so with depression because like, you know, you hear about like the Prozac, Zoloft, Lexapro, like, commonly when you're talking about depression as opposed to anxiety so I don't know I didn't I kind of had like zero to negative expectations but pretty much and they're also slower acting so I didn't expect too much to change quickly but like I clearly remember being on them for like literally a month and then all of a sudden my like mom and parents kind of noticing like you seem like a lot better and like by better I would like describe it as just like less reactive less like hot-headed and I don't know it was just like in a much calmer place so once that happened and I started gradually increasing the dose because I was like on the lowest dose possible that's when I was like became a firm believer in medication for you know anxiety depression what have you and just really seeing the benefit and I mean like I couldn't thank my doctor more because I wouldn't have even considered it if it weren't for her explaining it like it in such a chemical and like normal way yeah I mean I also just think like if you haven't take medication before taken medication before like we were kind of talking a little bit before this it can be so confusing and so like scary daunting yeah because of all those preconceived notions and stigmas around taking a medication i don't know but i think more people than you think are on them oh definitely and that's the other thing it's like like it has such a huge stigma whereas if like i said oh i take um i don't know insulin for my Diabetes. diabetes no one would like look twice but (laughs) but um but yeah it's so for those listening and whether you're either already on a medication and feeling like self-conscious about it or weird about it or if you're you know considering going on one but afraid of like you know developing a different personality like I was or of the side effects like a don't be afraid because you can always go off of it. Like they start on like a literal like microdose, and B, you can always switch it up. It's it's like I got lucky where the the uh, SSRI I started off with like didn't give me any side effects and went pretty seamlessly. But I also know people who like had to kind of you know switch around and now they're in a much better place. And it's like I don't know. It it's so worth it and it's not like a sign of weakness for going it like 
I don't know. I mean, I, I am a firm believer in like meditating and like doing whole, like holistic approaches to mental health. But there's a certain point where like if you're you, if you have a chemical imbalance, like you really need to address that with chemicals like you can't just holistically heal yourself kind of I feel like as a dietitian this is something that gets brought up a lot like people will try to cure their diabetes or whatever with holistic approaches too and yeah at a certain point like you need to use insulin because your blood glucose is too high and even though you have type 2 diabetes and there are lifestyle factors that you can implement if those aren't working or if you aren't doing those you can't damage your blood vessels in the process, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of similar in that sense of like, hey, you've exhausted all these efforts trying to do the holistic stuff. And if it's not working, you shouldn't feel ashamed. Or if you don't even want to try that, you also like it's your life and you can do whatever you want with it. Um, yeah. And it's like, and that's like the whole point. I don't know. I, I tell, tell this to people a lot. It's like, so I started with therapy I wish I had gone on medication earlier because I definitely reached that level of like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like having a debilitating anxiety um, where I probably needed some like medicate, like medical support to fix that. Mm -hmm. But when I started the medication, like I obviously stayed with a therapist because only once like I've been, I've been in therapy for so long, but only after seriously working or sorry only after taking the medication do I feel like I actually made real progress in therapy because I finally had this clear headspace to develop tools that I would actually be able to use Mm. effectively because like even you know I could have been working with therapists I could have been doing CBT DBT what have you and still like had a lack of serotonin that was preventing me from actually like being fully able to come into my best self yeah and I I I feel like for me in particular like I said like uh, for me therapy helped the most when I was open and accepted to it like before I was just kind of doing it because I don't know just because I was like oh maybe it was a help but I'm like Mm -hmm. if you don't put in the work it really doesn't or like also finding the right therapist it's like finding shoes that fit you yeah it's like dating Mm -hmm. dating you have to do it so much and there's so much trial and error and for a lot of people they can get frustrated i actually have a friend right now that's texting me that's like i tried five therapists so far within two weeks and not like i just don't feel like this type of person is the type of person that's very analytical and very smart and they almost like psychoanalyze themselves and the therapist and they Mm -hmm. just like they feel like they aren't getting matched with someone who can like analyze them and help them because it's really hard but yeah so like I don't know I kind of feel that with a therapy thing like it it works it doesn't work until all of a sudden like it doesn't and it makes sense and then once you find a therapist that works for you it's like mind-blowing there's also so many I mean I'm only learning this now as I like go down the the road of you know trying to be a therapist myself of like there's so many different types of therapy that I didn't even know there's like literal talk therapy which is what I personally like because obviously I like talking and then there's CBT which is I think for more for people who want a like clear-cut approach and like like here's my problem find a solution kind of a thing and same like DBT 
which was actually developed for um, people with borderline personality disorder. So there's a lot of different approaches and you have to kind of recognize in yourself like, okay, what do I need? Do I just need to talk like out my feelings or do I need someone who can kind of give me tools to get to where I want to get to? And it's all, you know, subjective and personal and like everyone has their preference, but I think kind of recognizing in yourself, like what do what do I not get from my friends? What do I not get from my family that a therapist could provide? And then that way you can narrow it on your choice. And then like, I'll just quickly plug better help because I <laughs> obviously love better help <laughs> and they're my amazing sponsor. But like, that's one of the cool things with them is like, you can say exactly what you want and then they'll match you with someone who can provide that. And that way it's like, you know, you cut out all of the awkward, like breaking up with your therapist kind of things, which I've had to do too many times and just sucks hey guys really quick i hope you are enjoying this episode and if you are if any of it resonated with you you may be thinking hmm, maybe i should start talking to someone or maybe i should go out and reach therapy and in which case i say bravo to you because i obviously love therapy and talk about it all the time and specifically if you're based out of manhattan which i'm sure many of you are I wanted to plug HLW Therapy, which is a Manhattan-based private practice run by an amazing friend of mine. They offer virtual therapy for treatment of depression, anxiety, eating disorders, trauma, relationship difficulties, and any struggles or grief related to COVID-19, which I'm sure many of you are experiencing. I mean, I know I certainly am. If you want to learn more about uh, this private practice, you can go to hlwtherapy.com or on Instagram, the Instagram handle is at hlwtherapy. Go there for some amazing content, specifically of Gray, the Bernadoodle that I love and is just the cutest little nugget. So again, you can go to hlwtherapy.com to inquire about therapy um, and all of the services that they have to offer. And if you are located outside Manhattan, of course, you can always go to betterhelp.com slash Zoe and get 10% off your first month of virtual therapy um, with a licensed professional counselor who will offer you a special treatment plan based on your own needs. Again, again, that's trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe or just betterhelp.com slash Zoe and you'll get 10% off your first month. So two incredible options for therapy um, and there's plenty more. I just really would love everyone to go to therapy and become their better best selves and have a support system during this really difficult time. But yeah, without further ado, I'll go back to the episode. I hope you're enjoying it. So I think kind of like after, you know, we talked about like noticing signs in your friends or um, like what to look out for. I think it's important to kind of address what to say when maybe you don't get the clear cut answer that, you were ex- not necessarily expecting, but like, you know, not everyone you talk to is going to be like, oh, yeah, I am depressed. Thanks for asking. Like, I think more often than not, you're going to be like, I'm, you're going to get an I'm fine or I don't want to talk about it. So I was thinking we kind of like role play <laughs> or like give examples of what to say when you do get that answer that's like seems like they're they don't want to talk about it and yes maybe this person doesn't feel comfortable talking about it but that doesn't mean you should close the conversation off completely 
Yeah, I mean, my go-to answer for most things is, especially when somebody doesn't want to talk about something or if it's just, like, a touchy issue, which, honestly, that barely ever happens to me. Like, I feel like everyone I talk to just opens up all their, like, whole life to me (laughs) in, like, an hour. But in the rare circumstance that it does happen, I'm always just kind of, like, this happened to me a lot when I was younger, honestly, but I I would always just be, like, okay, like, the opportunity is there if you ever do want to talk. Yeah, but I, I never want to be like intrusive and like honestly at the end of the day too it's like obviously we're here we care about people we care about each other we're trying to be supportive but there's a certain point at which you need to let go and you need to be able to be like okay like I've put in my input and I've tried and don't beat yourself up over like over making that effort. Yeah, and, like, you can you can overextend yourself. And, like, I have that tendency of just, like, people-pleasing and spreading yeah. myself too thin and doing way too much for other, for other people. And, like, there comes a point where you do need to think about yourself, too, and think about, okay, like, I'm trying to be this nice and open person, and maybe this person isn't open to receiving this at the moment. But I would say 9 out of 10 times people will come back to me and be like, oh, like, hey, just wanted to let you know that like you reaching out to me or you saying that was helpful or just like thanks for like being there even when I was being stubborn like I get that a lot and it's just like that's I'm stubborn you know that's how it goes sometimes you don't want to talk about things yeah and that's okay I think you're that's so true I think like there's a couple of ways I feel like there there's like you know you let's say you say like you know is everything all right? Like you haven't been yourself recently and you get a cold, like I'm fine. Um, I used to make the mistake and I actually did this with my ex-boyfriend where I, I would almost like make, maybe it's because of this podcast where I feel like, Oh yeah. Like I've found that being vulnerable makes people more comfortable opening themselves up to me where I got to the point of, I was like almost, what's the word? Like, just like spilling my all of my demons onto him Mm -hmm. because in an effort to make him be like oh yeah since you told me that you have had depression and anxiety and an eating disorder and you hate yourself like now I I really want to open up to you and like in hindsight I realized that that was pretty silly of me where if I could have like redone that or I guess you know if if I got that same response from a friend or boyfriend or partner or whatever later on, I think you just make sure that they know that you are there, as you said, like as someone or as a resource to go to. And then also just continue to check in because there's no harm in just whether it be about, you know, either actually something personal or, you know, again, Queen's Gambit, Shit's Creek, whatever. Just continuing to like, let them know you're there and even if it doesn't even if they seem to be kind of shutting you out at that point that's all you really can do and you just have to trust that they will come to you if need be and I know it's it's definitely like a tricky situation to be in but don't as you said like don't beat yourself up because just by doing so like you are making an effort yeah and I would say in addition to that like something that I've struggled with trying to be a good friend um, is 
like sometimes I feel like my efforts aren't being received or like I feel like I'm just not I feel like I'm making things worse sometimes I feel like I'm being intrusive I feel like I'm being like too much of a mom because I have like a mom-like personality where Mm -hmm. I'm just like is everyone okay yeah (laughs) are you eating enough like make sure you're taking your multivitamin or whatever yeah and they're just kind of like stop you know and Mm -hmm. so like in like with a few friends in particular I literally have to ask them like is what I'm doing helpful yeah like what do you like what can I give to you exactly and just like being of service and just being there and like I think that that's made me a better friend and like a better person overall is just like coming from this place of like okay I want to be of service to people I want to like like honor my core values and my moral compass and like whatever that means for me but I just think that like living like that whether it's with a friend that's struggling with a mental illness or it's driving your car to work and like you, you catch yourself having road rage or something yeah I don't know just like checking in and like It'll make you better, like, holistically. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to have tough days. And you're not going to be stubborn sometimes. And, like, I get moody sometimes. That doesn't mean that. It just means, like, overall, like, as a person, holistically, you'll be, you'll feel better. You know? Yeah. I guess, so from the switch perspective, and, like, I can, I can, I guess, like, speak to my experience first. Like, how... When you're in a, you know, depressed state or feeling down, what do you want to hear versus what do you not want to hear? And, like, obviously, again, that's different for both of us. So, like, I'll jump in just because whatever I'm already speaking. <laughs> but, like, for me, I, I like, my love language is in terms of, like, what I re- like to receive are words of affirmation. So I just like to know, like, I love you and I'm here for you. Like, where it, like that works for me. Whereas, like, what doesn't work for me is, oh, people have it worse. Or, okay, but, like, I'll, you know, at least you have a job. Like, things like that. I'm like, no shit. Like, I know that other people have jobs. I know that. Or, like, don't have jobs. I know that other people have it worse. In that moment, what I need is just someone to say like I affirm what you're saying or like I don't know if affirm is the right word but I recognize that and I know that that must suck and just like recognizing and validating someone's feelings without passing any sort of judgment or opinion what you're describing is something that I read actually maybe a few weeks ago where it's basically like making people feel guilty for feeling bad. Like, yeah. And I feel like honestly, not to be like overarching and stuff, obviously different people of different races and different genders can experience this. But I think this is a very like middle to upper class, like white woman problem, to be honest. Like, I feel like a lot of women struggle with this, like in general, um, of just like, hey, like I've had everything handed to me and I have really nothing to really like complain about, but I still feel this certain way. Like, I think a lot of people experience that. Yeah. And I think that what you're explaining is more just like, okay, I have a job. I have a house. I have parents. I have a stable, you know, income. I mm-hmm. have health insurance. I have all these things. 
and I don't I deserve feel, to feel sad. And I feel sad. And so, yeah, and now I feel guilty for feeling. And the thing is, is that, like, you, it is a way to, like, not validate your feelings. And I think, I think you can feel sad and you can be a millionaire. You know, how many people have yeah. committed suicide that, that have all from the, pain the outside the world. were perceived to have it all? Mm-hmm. But what about you? Like, what, when you're in a, you know, not feeling great like what works for you versus what doesn't it's a good question and when you asked it I was actually just thinking like my first initial thought not gonna lie is I don't know (laughs) but I think about like thinking about it a little bit more I think it depends on the person like if it's somebody that's really close to me and that doesn't give me words of affirmation that much then maybe that's what I need um but if it's somebody who who constantly is giving me words of affirmation and is just constantly like being a hype person for me which is always good sometimes i'm like stop hyping me up <laughs> you know <laughs> like i think be real with me <laughs> yeah like i don't know i think sometimes it's like i need different things for different people if it's at my parents i need something different than if it's my sister i need something different than if it's my friend i need something different and depending on the friendship i need something different so i don't know that's a really hard one for me yeah i guess it all circles back to what you said about like saying what do you need from me yeah, and I think depending on the day, I need something different. True. I'm a complicated person. <laughs> so is everyone, though. I need, like, st- <laughs> so many different things. And I feel like also another thing is that, like, yeah, like, I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, it's a hard one. Let's see. Anna, when you're not feeling yourself, I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. And I'm going to pass you the mic. Come use, she can use mine. Yeah, yeah. When you're in a, like depressed state or not feeling yourself what do you like to hear from people versus what like what works for you versus what doesn't in terms of like people reaching out like my example was I like words of affirmation so I like just to know to be validated and be like your feelings are valid I love you I support you whereas what doesn't work for me is like well the people have it worse kind of a thing I mean I think I'm the same I need everyone to tell me that they love me. <laughs> I need everyone to tell me that they love me and like that they'll um that they're there for me and that they understand what I'm going through. What I don't like and what I don't need is when people try to compare things that are going on in their own lives with things that yeah. are happening in my life. And I mean, it's all relative. Everyone is going through it, and especially this past year, like we're all experiencing the same things, but in a different um, way. In a different way, yeah. And so I feel like it de- it makes me feel diminished mm-hmm. or my like my feelings feel diminished when somebody else is like, oh, yeah, I'm going through it too. You know, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Give me my five minutes to cry about it. No, it's so true. On. When people are like, oh, I know how you feel. And you're like, but do you? <laughs> like, okay, or, I don't know. It's it's And like people mean, I think people mean well when they're trying to say that. They're trying to relate, but it's like, have you been in this exact same situation? Like, if so, maybe you do. But, like, if it's a tangent, like, oh, yes, I, you know, lost my goldfish last week. Like, I like, I, I know exactly what you mean. Then I agree. And I feel like, honestly, like, from the other person's perspective, I think they are, from, like, nine out of ten times coming from a place of, like, goodness. Like, they're just trying to relate and they're just trying to make you feel better about the situation. Yeah. But yeah, I can definitely see how that's like not helpful. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And I, I always try to like say like empathize. Don't try to sympathize. 
Um, and then I think like last thing I'll just touch on because as we mentioned earlier, like it, um, Saturday was international survivors of suicide loss day is like how to speak to someone who has lost someone to suicide. Um, I think again, a difficult road to navigate but I do think there are ways to do so. Um, and there's definitely ways not to do so. I think any like sort of, you know, again, validating the emotions, even though I think for, okay, I think there's multiple ways. I mean, if you're someone who has not experienced suicide loss and you're trying to either connect with someone who has, or just try to make them, feel better I think it's perfectly okay to be like listen I have no fucking idea what you're going through but just know that I'm here for you if you want to talk I'm here for you if you want to cry I'm here for you if you just want to like vent but just like kind of first prefacing it with like dude this sucks like I'm so sorry is totally fine and if anything like is better than being like I don't know. People are starving. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I hope no one would ever say that. But I think, like, that. And also, I don't know. I think people get really awkward around the topic of suicide and death and everything like that. And, like, I don't know. Whenever I mention that I lost a friend to suicide or anything, the first thing is, like, I'm so sorry. It's almost like a, it's like a, like, word vomit reaction where it's, like, okay. Like, I know you are. But instead of kind of like making the room more awkward ask me like what he was like or like you know ask me like a funny story or like how like I think people like and and, or you know or if they don't want to talk about it that's cool too but I think just recognizing that it's okay to feel uncomfortable but you also shouldn't feel uncomfortable if that makes sense and also, I mean, I don't know. This is this is just more so of, like, I remember from times, like, when I, f- I first lost a friend and, like, more recently I lost someone who I knew um, last week. Like, I think a lot of times there's, like, oh, just come on. Like, this, I mean, now it's COVID, so we're not going out anywhere. But, like, three years ago, I'd be like, oh, come on, just, let's just go out. Like, get your mind off of it. And I was like, literally, the last thing I want to do is go out. Like, I, if I go out, I will literally drink too much and cry and then make a fool of myself and just get way too emotional. Like, I think just, like, letting people be okay or, like, letting people feel their feelings and giving them space, but also letting them know that you're there to just be a shoulder to cry on, even if that sounds cliche. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that what you said is probably the theme of this whole podcast episode of just, like, being there for people and asking them what they need instead of assuming that you know what somebody needs. Yeah. Spot on. <laughs> Maybe that will be the name. Don't assume. Don't I don't assume. Know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to think of a pun. Yeah, but hard. anyways, any last, last thoughts? thoughts or words of advice or um, know that you're not alone? And that you can reach out to 
Zoe and, you know, her whole community is always really supportive if you're ever going through anything. Um, and yeah. But okay. My ending words are happy Sagittarius season. <laughs> Peace and love. 